Hello and welcome back to the Punt Return Podcast. It's Super Bowl week, the one we've all been waiting for, the pinnacle of every NFL season. We have the Who Day Bengals at the Rams house in LA. It's going to be a cracker and we're going to chat about that shortly. But first, it was great to chat with Stats Insider's James Rosewarn on our two-part season recap episode last week. If you haven't heard those ones yet, go back and have a listen. Uh, and as always, this week, I'm joined by my co-host, Ryan Lepore-Lepper. How's your Super Bowl week been, mate? And What's your favorite part of Super Bowl week in general? And, and is, there a, is there an overall favorite Super Bowl memory in, in your time watching football? Yeah, Nick, great to be with you for Super Bowl week, mate. Absolutely pumped for the game on Monday. Uh, and it really got me excited last week after chatting with James. It was the first time um, I'd spoken to James uh, in, a, in, a, in a sense that we did. And it was, it was unreal just to have a chat and talk all things NFL. And it, it ran for far too long and we could have stayed there all night. But it was... Um, yeah, hopefully it was good listening because we actually absolutely loved having a chat and and talking through everything NFL. But now we're really gearing up for that one match, as you said. And I think the, the greatest thing about the Super Bowl is that everyone knows about it. And mm-hmm. even if you know nothing about American football or sport in general, you know about the Super Bowl. And the Americans, obviously, they do it biggest is uh, best over there, of course. And they certainly do a, a great um, spectacle for sure. And, and everything is compared to the Super Bowl, I suppose, in terms of major sporting events here in Australia and around the world. So, look, they do it well. Um, obviously, the the great thing for us in um, in where we are here in Melbourne, the time zone's fantastic. I mean, it's ideally, perfect, would, it? Sunday night would be better, but um, <laughs> like like the Yanks. But, I mean, it, it's pretty cool here watching it on a Monday morning or into, into an afternoon. You can have a, a long lunch session, go to the pub and, and easily get a day off work. Unfortunately, neither of us will be getting into health work this year, but... Uh, look, it's 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 an awesome spectacle. Usually, the games are pretty pretty hotly contested and and, and uh, are close. We we've certainly seen some amazing games in the most re- you know in recent years. And the one that sticks out for me, I think, has to be the and again, no affiliation to either team or anything, but uh, just the twenty eight three, the comeback from from New England and the and the the just the complete choke by the Atlanta Falcons, who we probably still haven't recovered from it, have they? And I think that sticks out to a lot of fans' memories, no doubt, all the Patriots fans. But, yeah, just we've seen some incredible moments. The Patriots have been on the wrong end and, and the right end, of course, of some pretty amazing pretty amazing moments in Super Bowl history. But, uh, yeah, that one for me sticks out, I think. And also, uh, in a, you know, a couple of years ago when, when Patty Mahomes orchestrated that comeback for the Chiefs against uh, the 49ers was pretty special because I was um, riding the Chiefs home pretty hard that year. So, look, it was... Um, that was another one that sticks out in the mind. And let's hope we don't have a, a slugfest or a dour game like we did last time the Rams were in it. So yeah, let's hope yeah. it's a better better spectacle than that. And I'm sure with uh, Smoke and Joe on the other end and, and Matty Stafford throwing some long balls, I think it should be an entertaining game. Yeah, I, th- I think you're right. I think there is the uh, the potential for this one to be a, a great watch that that Rams-Pats uh, matchup from a couple of years ago was a, a pretty dour affair. But yeah, a couple couple of Super Bowl memories. Uh for me, obviously Nick Foles to Doug Peterson. You want to go Philly Philly? Uh and then the 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 Nick Foles catch for the the touchdown against the Pats uh is obviously up there in number one. And number two, I think even though it was a losing Super Bowl in uh 04, what TO, what what Terrell Owens did in that Super Bowl also against the Patriots was incredible given the the injury that he'd come off. He had a broken leg, uh, torn ligaments, came back for the Super Bowl and had, I think it was 
uh, nine receptions for 120 yards or, or something like that, and, and nearly nearly got the Eagles over the line. A game that they probably should have won as well against the Pats, um, and that was that was amazing watching the uh, from a betting perspective the uh, the Broncos uh, Panthers Super Bowl. 2015 was it was a pretty big one for me with uh, with Von Miller the MVP uh, that was a that was a pretty handy day out but yeah it's it is unfortunate that uh, that we can't go and watch the game together and uh, and enjoy that but I'm sure we'll be we'll be chatting online during the during the game and there might be a few froths had in the office uh, I don't know about you but uh, I'm sure there will be for me uh, lucky enough to to work in a sports content sports media uh, environment so we'll all, we'll all have it on. Uh, probably all the TVs in the office and uh, I'm sure there'll be some, some cold ones at uh, 10 30 in the morning. Yeah. I'm definitely trying to be pushing to work from home. And if I have to have a beer by myself <laughs> while watching it, I will, but uh, so be it. yeah, mate, I, I did try and push for us to both get the day off and go watch it together, but you didn't want a bar of me. So that's <laughs> fine. I know you've got your, you've got your friends in the office that you can go <laughs> hang out with. I don't have right. the luxury of that in my, um, in my industry, unfortunately anymore, but now nah, look, it's going to be a fantastic game and I'll be keeping a close eye if I'm, if I'm not watching it live, I'll certainly be trying to avoid scores and try and catch up and, and watch it uh, as as live and and see as much as possible because, yeah, it's certainly going to be an awesome game. And, you know, two teams that probably weren't expected to get down. I mean, the Rams probably were in terms of um, their preseason, um, I suppose, um, predictions a lot of people had, including yourself, of course, mate. But they both are obviously the number four seed, so they, they have fought their way through. Mm-hmm. Um, some 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 battles to get through to this stage, and obviously the Bengals, who have come from nowhere, from the worst team in football two years ago to now a Super Bowl um, appearance, is 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 pretty remarkable for a franchise that's been in the wilderness really for you know thirty years essentially yeah. since their last Super Bowl. I mean, they had a great run with the Red Rocket and and Marvin Lewis in the mid to mid 2010s where they won a few division titles, but they never got over the hump and won a playoff game. So it's it's a pretty special moment for all the Bengals fans out there. So I know there are a few out in Melbourne, if you can believe it. There are quite a there are still a few here down here. And um there are. yeah, they'll be supporting hard, no doubt. Absolutely. And and you're right. I mean we spoke about it uh last week and it was only a couple of years ago that the Bengals were 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 fighting out for the the number one pick as the worst team in, in the competition. Uh, and you know, a couple of years later, they're they're fighting out, you know, in the last game of the year, and it, it's a pretty amazing journey. And and we'll talk about that uh, in in a minute. But you talked about the the Super Bowl as an event, and, and you know, the the way that everybody gets around the game, and and whether you're a football fan or you watch weekly on on Sunday nights or Monday mornings, uh, you know, most people try and get to a TV when the Super Bowl's on and and watch at least some of it. Um, is there an event like the Super Bowl? Anywhere else in the world? I mean, you look at the Football World Cup is probably the the biggest tournament event in the world. There's the Olympics, which is obviously huge internationally, but in terms of a single event, I can't think of you know one standalone game matchup event, whatever that even comes near the Super Bowl. The only thing that I could kind of think of, and again, it's a very different environment. But you look at yeah you know, the hundred meter sprint at the Olympics. Um, and you know, obviously, when you've got someone like a Usain Bolt, that becomes must-watch viewing, no matter where you are in the world, what time it is, etc. The World Cup final is great, but can also often be a really dour kind of, you know, defensive affair, as we've seen a number of times. But the Super Bowl, especially given the time difference and the time zones here in Australia, um, I can't think that there's 
there's anything that comes close to the Super Bowl as a sporting event and a spectacle at the same time. Oh, for sure, mate. And uh, uh, annually, it's the biggest sporting or potentially biggest event in the world, isn't it? I mean, as you mentioned, the, the Olympics and the FIFA World Cup are probably the only other two that, you know, come into comparison. And, and they're obviously every four years. But per, annually, this has to be the biggest event, certainly the biggest sporting event, and if not the great, the biggest event in the world in terms of a spectacle and event, as you said, uh, across the globe. So, you know, um, obviously the AFL Grand Final, probably the best to replicate it, but we're only catering to a very small audience compared to what the Americans are doing, of course. And and look, one in comparison would probably be the Australian Open Final uh, yeah. recently yeah. with Ash Barty. And in terms of an Australian point of view, again, yeah. and it, I mean, while it's a world game tennis, it probably certainly doesn't have the cut through as as the Super Bowl does in, in many parts of the world. So, and again, that's more about that, the actual match the, mm. the sport rather than the the actual event obviously we've got arguably the greatest or biggest uh halftime show on paper in record and um, yeah yeah I mean, that's it's gonna be thing, isn't it is is super bowl as an event and a spectacle outside of the sport is you know you get acts like dr dre like prince like michael jackson you know at halftime um it, which is amazing and and that's worth watching on its own. And there are a lot of people that literally just tune in at the end of the first half to watch the halftime show and then go back to work or whatever it is that they're doing and, and go on about their day. But um, I mean, it, it's, it's an amazing, an amazing event for, for so many reasons. And um, I guess we should probably start talking about it. What do you reckon? Yeah, I reckon. And, and the other key thing you, you probably missed there that that is also that huge factor for, for especially for an American audience is the, the Super Bowl commercials. And I know True. I, I like to try and catch up with the best ones that they air during. Obviously, we don't get to see them here televised. We get our own um, ads come through, but it's always fun to see, you know, what brands are, are doing what and what celebrity appearances are, are on yeah. those Super Bowl commercials. Because, I mean, that is multi, multi, multi million dollar business, oh, that, isn't it? it? So it, it's insane. It's, it's commercially the, probably the biggest event in the world as well as the greatest sure. sporting event. For sure. And I mean, I think both you and I, from, from a different perspective, I mean, outside of how entertaining the majority of those ads are and, and the reason that, that people love them. You and I can't, you know, both come from marketing backgrounds and, and advertising and, and love that space and love that industry. Yep. So it's really cool to see what, you know, what brands are spending that shit ton of money on, um, you know, for a 30 second spot, you know, might be spending 10, 15, $20 million um, on a 30 second spot at halftime in the Super Bowl um, is just phenomenal. And, and often they are the best ads to come out each year are those Super Bowl yeah. ones because they spend so much money on it. You know, they then also spend a shit ton of money on production values and talent and, you know, all that sort of stuff and, and spend months doing it just for that single 30-second slot, which is uh, it's, it's an amazing part of the, the marketing slash, you know, advertising industry. Um, and something, like you said, is, is not replicated anywhere or, or for any other event um, globally, which is, is quite amazing. Um Talk about this this Super Bowl, and there's a few, I guess, little trends and, and tidbits that I thought were were worth uh, were worth mentioning. And just around the two quarterbacks in this Super Bowl, it's Joe Burrow's Super Bowl debut. Obviously, this Super Bowl debut will come earlier than any other starting quarterback drafted number one overall. This is his second year in the league. Matthew Stafford also a starting quarterback drafted number one overall, and this will be the latest that one of those number one drafted QBs uh, will make his Super Bowl debut in year 13, which I thought was a, a pretty amazing. You've got the earliest and the latest or earliest and, and longest uh, 
um, uh, you know, number one draft pick um, Super Bowl appearances, which is which is pretty amazing. Yeah, you can just see the journey of obviously, you know, the quarterback story. I mean, obviously, going number one overall is, is a pretty amazing accomplishment. And then obviously, there's no guarantees once you get picked as number one. We know there's plenty of busts uh, in you know that have that have forged decent careers in the NFL, but certainly haven't got to the heights that many expect. And then. Of course, um, Joe Burrow has, has done it quicker than anyone else, as you mentioned, and he could be the first ever um, player to, to have a Super Bowl, a national championship and a Heisman in, in his career, which is just incredible. And that would have all been done within three years, if you can believe that. So uh, obviously won the Heisman, the, he won the Natty at LSU. And then the next year he was a number couple of months after that, he was the number one overall pick. So yep. yeah, pretty incredible uh, meteoric rise for Joe Burrow and, to the above point, though, mate, uh, can you name the only other duo who was selected at number one overall to face off in the Super Bowl? And their actual experience gap was actually even larger than this one uh, in 13 years on that occasion compared to the 11 we've got in this matchup, mate. Uh, can you tell me who that was? I think I can because I think I touched on it earlier. Yeah, uh, I think you might Broncos, have mentioned it. <laughs> The Broncos Panthers in 2016 with um, Peyton Manning and Cam Newton. Super camp. Yeah, Super Bowl 50, those two squared off. And, and Peyton Manning probably had one of his worst statistical games in that yeah. Super Bowl, but he, he got another ring. And uh, thanks to the defense and, and, and your boy, Morton Miller. And look, the, the other talk bit, one of the talking points for me, I suppose, and it's not so much a talking point other than a, more of a statement. And I, I'm just really content with this Super Bowl. And, and I think I'm going to be happy either way who wins. I, I'm really would be chuffed for, for both franchises and, and there'd be great, great stories, obviously, for both sides. And, and you've mentioned one of them being, you know, Matthew Stafford, who's never played in a winning playoff game before this season. He's bided his time. He's been a, you know, a Hall of Famer, essentially, in his career as a quarterback. And, and now he gets on the right franchise at the right time and he gets a chance to, to get a ring. And then, of course, there's Joe Burrow for the many reasons I mentioned earlier. I mean, it's his second year in the game and he's, He's already at a Super Bowl, um, you know, with, with a, a young group of core talent around him as well. So, yeah, the Bengals are going to be one to watch, you know, going forward. And it's, as we've mentioned a number of times this year, which really win or bust, isn't it, for the Rams? They've gone all in. It's chips in. They're going to lose many of the players probably um, that they've, dropped or that they've um, you know, got on their roster next year. Uh, you don't, certainly won't see this roster again altogether next year, I wouldn't have thought. So yeah. it really is win or, win or bust here for the Rams. They've, they've really um, gone all in uh, with not much draft capital in the next couple of years. So, yeah, it, the window is open, obviously, now for the Rams. But, yeah, like, like I said, I think I'd be content with either, either result in this one. You're right. It's a great story either way. Obviously, from a you know, personal perspective, and, and you, know, you guys listening are probably sick of me banging on about it all year, but you know, I've been on the Rams all year. So for me, you know, obviously, I want the Rams to get up, and, and I think they will, by the way. But um, it, look, it's, it's a great story, and, and taking the betting out of it, you know, the Bengals coming from where they came from a couple of years ago to a Super Bowl victory would just be an incredible story, and one, one that you know, they would make movies about in, in a couple of years. Um, and it's just just the way that they've gone about it, and then on the on the the Rams side, you know, there's so many so many individual stories. There's there's Matthew Stafford, like you touched on, and and his career in Detroit uh, as one of the best QBs in the league, and never really getting that recognition because he didn't have a playoff victory, let alone a Super Bowl victory. Um, and then you've got guys like Aaron Donald that so deserves you know a Super Bowl ring. Um, Odell Beckham Jr. and his career to date. 
you know, and the story and the journey that that he's been on. Um, for him to be a a, a Super Bowl winner w- would be incredible. Um, th- there's so many so many players, and, and Von Miller obviously traded mid season from the Broncos. It's got a it's got a ring already from that that time. Um, it's got a Super Bowl MVP from that time, and you know potentially in in the market for another one this week. Um, Jalen Ramsey, another one of those traded into the into the Rams. You know another another guy who spent. Spent time on a you know, cellar dweller and and you know, missing playoffs and, and that sort of stuff and and all of a sudden is in is in a Super Bowl like there's so many great stories and either way whoever wins this it it should be a great game and it will be a great result for both franchises uh, and a great story and and those fans will be celebrating long and hard uh, no doubt but there is another little another little story that I found during the week which I thought was really quite cool uh, and obviously. Joe Burrow, like you mentioned, was number one draft pick uh, after winning the Natty with LSU, after winning the Heisman, uh, and then did his ACL and, and essentially missed missed that first season uh, in the NFL. Uh, when he was rehabbing that knee injury in Los Angeles, he didn't know a whole lot of people. Uh, the Rams tackle Andrew Whitworth reached out to him and they rehabbed together. He was obviously also recovering from injury. They watched games together on Sundays. Joe Burrow even spent his birthday at Andrew Whitworth's house. And now obviously they're playing off in a Super Bowl against each other. I think that's another little story that Super Bowl week always tends to bring out these, these little stories that you wouldn't have heard otherwise. Um, and I just think that's a, that's a cool little story. Oh, that's awesome. I, I hadn't read it until I, I saw it on the run sheet here, mate. It, it's, it's, it brings a smile to your face, doesn't it? That, you know, two awesome competitors at a different stages of their careers as well would just hang out, rehab, know the know what they needed to do for each, for each other and what they needed to do individually to get back to where they were. And I think that gets lost as well this year. I think Joe Burrow actually missed the majority of the season last year. I, I certainly forgot that he's ACL when we'll, um, until like really a couple of weeks ago when I, I started to think about it. You, you wouldn't know that the, the man's uh, just come off a really serious knee injury. He's, he's yeah. been playing and, and performing at such a high level, um, you know, in, in such an early part of his career. So, yeah, awesome little story that. Uh, I've got a question for you, I suppose, mate, and before we touch on, I suppose, the halftime show, because it's going to be one for the ages, is do you make of anything or what do you make of LA's home field advantage this week? Obviously, it's the second year in a row that we've seen the Super Bowl host North Coast City have their team in the Super Bowl. Of course, that worked out pretty well for the Bucks last year, but yeah. does it count for anything? Is there any um, advantage to the Rams having the Super Bowl in their home field? Look, uh, it, it's a really tough one, and I think the answer is yes. I think we saw, and, and obviously there were other factors with the Bucks last year. I think obviously they would prefer to have a home game, you know, less travel, less transit, less all that sort of thing, especially in you know, COVID environments when traveling is, you know, full on, um, you know, restrictive in terms of where you can go, what you can do, what you can wear, all that sort of stuff um, that I'm sure that the Rams are happy that they could stay in LA, could train in LA, didn't have to get on planes, didn't have to go through airports, none of that sort of stuff. Yeah, no um, hotels either. No hotels. Yeah. I mean, I mean that's that's okay. all. It, it might be it might be 1% or 2% extra, but, mm. you know, that's 1% or 2% extra they wouldn't have had. Um yeah. Obviously, it also depends on the opponent, and and we've seen previously, you know, uh, Rams Niners games when there's been more Niners fans in the Rams stadium, and obviously, in that case, you know, it's not much of a home field advantage. In this case, I think it probably is, um, and you know, there's not a lot of um, uh, 
uh, you know, AFC opponents that would have that that kind of benefit to playing in LA uh, against the Rams, as obviously the Niners do and in, in, in the NFC. So that's obviously a, a huge advantage in, in a Super Bowl environment. Probably the the Raiders would be the only the only one that could kind of compete in that regard. I mean, but, the Pats and Steelers are pretty well supported everywhere, but yeah, for that's sure. True. But the, the Bengals are certainly that small market team, as you said. And um, I think the neutral would probably be on the Bengals, though. So if there are any neutrals going to the game, they might be supporting the Bengals. But like you yep. said, I think that one or two, three, four, five percent extra for the Rams certainly um, makes a big difference when you're thinking that they could already potentially be that one, two, three, four, you know, percent better than mm. the Bengals anyway. So, yeah, I, I think it certainly makes a difference and probably a reason why they're as short as they are now potentially as well. I mean, they haven't had an amazing record at home this year, but uh, I think it certainly helps for a game like this. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, pretty spot on there, I think. And, and I think that we we probably both agree on, on that point that, you know, in that case, it, it can be a big advantage for someone like the Rams because, you know, if they are a better team, then having anything that helps them be or put them in an even better spot is, is just more of an advantage than an equalizer. Um, so, yeah, I, I agree with you there. Um, a couple of little betting stats for the Super Bowl. I uh, went back and had a look at the betting matchups uh, in the Super Bowl era and looking at the spread, the underdog has covered the spread 25 times. The favorite has covered their spread 26 times. And it's been a push three times, pretty even, even uh, spread of spreads, I guess we could say. Uh, and in the, the total points market, we are dead bang on at 27 and 27 since Super Bowl II uh, in 1967. Super Bowl I in 66 didn't have an over-under line for total points. So 27, 27 all for over and under. So neither of that really helps anyone who's a trend better in the Super Bowl in terms of uh, betting the spread or the total points. Um, but on that note, we'll get into the game. And if you do like the show, please give us a rating and a review on Facebook, on iTunes, wherever you listen or engage. Get us at Twitter, uh, at the Punt Return Pod on Facebook, uh, on Instagram, at NFL Podcast. Uh, we just want to hear from you guys as much as possible. Obviously, this is the biggest week of the year. So give us your plays, give us your bets, give us your props, whatever you want to talk about. Um, agree with us, disagree with us, whatever you want. But let's get into it. It is Super Bowl Monday, Australian Eastern Time, 10.30 a.m. at SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles. We have the Cincinnati Bengals at the Rams. The Rams, $1.49 favorites. The Bengals, $2.64. The Rams, minus four. The total is 48 and a half. Once you get us started, mate. Yeah, can't wait for this, mate. And it, it really is going to be an awesome matchup. But it, it feels like almost a, a long time ago now, really, that we saw an unbelievable Conference Championship Week. Well, it was after what followed uh, an incredible divisional round where we saw four of the best matchups you'll ever like to see back to back. And then, uh, of course, we almost got treated just to a just as good weekend of Conference Championships. I mean, that Bengals win over the Chiefs was just truly incredible. That second half comeback. I mean, I know I know you were very big on the well, not very big, but you still stand by that they really should have lost to the Raiders in that. In that uh, opening wildcard week, I do, I do stand by that. And like, uh, and I think you're going to touch on it. They they were outplayed really, especially in that second half. And, and it was only their red zone defense essentially that kept them in it. And that's going to have to be 
um, you know, on on song this week. If there are any chance to beat the Rams, who themselves are, are pretty good uh, in the red zone, defending the red zone as well. But I mean, they they uh, the Bengals they just just found a way, and obviously they've, um, they've kicked the winning field goal in the first two weeks, and then and then done it again in overtime against the Chiefs, where they came back from eighteen points down against. Paddy Mahomes is in his own building. So incredible story for them to get here, as we said. Uh, obviously, the Rams did it the hard way as well. They came back from their own double-digit deficit against the Niners to get here, uh, where Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup just completely dominated that, that final quarter. Uh, the league's leading receiver holding a touchdown, uh, and he also um, caught six passes in that, in that last quarter alone. So it was an incredible, incredible performance by Stafford and Cup combination, which has clicked from day one, really, hasn't it? And you can see the chemistry has been on the wall, uh, riding on the wall straight away. And it's really unlocked Cooper Cup's potential, I suppose. And, and given that Rams offense a really dynamic boost, which they sorely needed after the, the, the downward spiral of Jared Goff and, and, and what we saw last year on that offensive side. But they've only got the one Super Bowl title to their name, the Bengals zero. So, yeah, two, two teams, um, you know, that are um, starved with success. Obviously, LA themselves haven't won a Super Bowl. They they won the Super Bowl title, the Rams, when they were in St. Louis. And they'll be desperate to um, to add to that, um, especially after their last um, outing where they only scored three points in the game that we touched on earlier against against the Patriots. So, yeah, it, it's going to be a huge matchup. Obviously, the, the, the game, though, for me, is really going to be won won or lost on that defensive line on that O-line for the Bengals, defensive line for the Rams. And that's really where the Rams can take over and exploit the the, uh, the weakness of the Bengals, I suppose. I mean, the Bengals' offensive line probably was one of their weaker points in, in, the, in the coming into the season, but they've proven that they, they can hold their own. They've been pretty steady all season. Mm. But this Rams' defense we know is built for, for to, to get after the quarterback, obviously adding Von Miller into that um, – into that lineup has allowed Leonard Floyd and, and Aaron Donald to be more dynamic and get after the quarterback. And it just poses so many threats for them. And what we saw last week, we didn't see, uh, sorry, last week, last game against the Niners, Von Miller was so quiet until that last quarter where he, he really sparked a, that defensive surge and, and, and they get the stops and they get the turnovers. And uh, it really turned the game, obviously. So that's what that was the reason of getting that great man. And your your favourite man probably ever to, into that team. Um, he, he's a big he's a big game player, isn't he? He's proven it, that yeah. he's proven that over a long period of time. He's a big game player, and I think this is the Super Bowl where the big names will come to fire. Obviously, you know Aaron Donald doesn't have a bad game, and you know he's going to step up to the plate in this one as well. I think Cooper Cup and OBJ are really going to flex their muscles and show their their skills as well on the offensive side, and, and even for the Bengals, I think Jamar Chase and, and Joe Burrow are just going to keep that chemistry going and click. I know that Jalen Ramsey is most likely going to be covering Chase, but I think he's just a big game player as well. And we saw that in the national championship. And I think they'll just keep going on their merry way. And I've got some stats for you in regards to some of those props, mate. And he's actually, Jamar Chase has reported 109 receiving yards in four of over 110 receiving yards, we'll say, in the four of the Bengals' last six games. So he puts up massive numbers. Uh, another one, T. Higgins has been on a bit of a tear himself. He's recorded 96-plus receiving yards in six of his last seven appearances following a win. So he's a big game player when, when they're up and about the bank of the Bengals. Uh, he's, Jamar Chase has scored at least one touchdown in eight of the last Bengals' 11 games as underdogs. 
and Tyler Boyd has scored a touchdown in four of his last six appearances as well. So, yeah, there's there's a lot of player props we can keep going through. But, I mean, the the Bengals as well, they've covered the line in each of their last seven games. So it's been an incredible run from them into the, into the playoffs, even when they were depleted in that Week 18 game. The Rams mm-hmm. actually managed to cover the line in that one. They've also won each of their last six games against teams that have held a winning record. So they really step up to the plate and, and play those big games well. I just think they can keep it close. And, and where I was really headed is, especially at four and a half and, and, the, and the five it might have even gone out to me, was, was Bengals at the plus. It's now coming to that flat four, and I'm not as confident, of course, taking half a point less in, in a game like this. The four points, though, is, is a crucial one, and, and probably it's a, it's, a, it's a line that's cost us a couple of times this year, uh, especially cost us last um, in the conference championship against the Rams at that three and a half. And so yeah. just being very careful that because this game could really come down to a field goal. I, I can see a, a close contest throughout. The, the one thing I am probably keen on, though, being so split on the uh, the spread is is the over and unders. And I'm pretty keen on the unders. The 48 and a half is still pretty high, but just with these defenses, uh, I think the, the defense defense of the Rams especially is going to step up. The Bengals defense has been you know punching above their weight all season, and I think they can still uh, limit Matthew Stafford in a way and, and keep him under control. I think Cam Akers will have a big game, which might control the scoring a little bit for the Rams. So I don't think it's going to be a blowout either way. So. Yeah, I'm really keen on the unders in this one. So under 48 and a half for me. And I, I'm just probably leaning if I had to towards Cincy at the plus four, but I certainly would be playing if they were plus four and a half. So it's a no play for me on the spread there, but definitely keen on the under, um, under 48 and a half. And, and I'll, we can touch on some of the, our long shots later, but one I'm definitely keen on, I'll mention in this is, is the Bengals at the alternative line of plus five and a half. Mm. into the under 49 and a half. You can get 320 for that. So that, I, I really like that play. I think the Bengals do enough to keep it close. They could even surprise and win the game. I wouldn't. I, I certainly wouldn't shock me if that happened. But the Rams certainly have the class all over the field in, in all three facets of the game. And that defensive line for me, it's, that's just where the game's going to be one or lost for, for the Rams. And if they can perform to the level that we know they can, they'll be too good. And too classy, but uh, I think the Bengals have got enough spunk and enough, yeah, just enough momentum to ride this year to, to keep it close and, and pull off a, a shock upset if, if you know if it got close. You could see and Evan McPherson, who's been ice cold throughout the playoffs and all season, really it's a lot of 55 yarder to win the game as a rookie. Who knows? But yeah, I think it, it'll be tight. So again, being sitting on the fence a bit with the spread, but um, yeah, keen on the under 48 and a half in this one. So would love to hear your thoughts, mate. We can probably chat a bit more about um, a bit more about the game after that. Yeah, I, I agree with you on most of that. I, I also like the unders. Uh, yeah, that that that'll be one of my plays at, uh, at the end of the show, I think. But um, I, I actually do think that it could be a blowout. I think that it has a potential to be that under under forty eight and still be uh, a bit of a blowout. And and we'll go through some of the, uh, I guess some of the, the the key stats and like I said oh I guess before we get to that I, I wonder if the 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 selection of Evan McPherson in, in the fifth round of the NFL draft and what he's gone on to achieve with the Bengals this year might uh I guess make some other GMs and, and other franchises start pondering about picking yeah, kickers earlier in the, in those middle rounds of the draft and maybe even higher 
Yeah, I mean, the Bengals were pretty pretty confident with their selection, wasn't it? And they certainly yeah. let everyone know on their social accounts. That's why you dropped Big Eric, and they've said that <laughs> a few times in capital letters throughout the playoffs. And, and he's been clutch as they come. And even, I think, early, um, it might have been in the Green Bay game. I think he did miss one, but he did nail um, that ended up losing the game. But he did, um, did nail quite a few field goals to win him early games. I think they beat the Vikings in week one or something on it. On a McPherson field goal, and, and they were around about the mark in a few other games, but he he nailed some some really clutch and, and long field goals throughout the season, and I don't know his um, completion, of, you know, his percentage, I suppose, in front of me, but it was it would have had to be eighty five plus, I reckon. He he was going um, as well as anyone in the league, and he he's certainly a special talent, and like you said, because of the the, the struggles that we've seen, veteran kickers and and, and all kickers really this season. You think that um, GMs and franchises would be looking to if they can see a spot of talent, you know, uh, in the draft as a kicker? Why not draft them? Why not take a chance on a, on a, in the fifth or sixth, seventh, eighth round and, and try and draft a kicker then and, and and shore up that spot of you know, which essentially wins you and loses you so many games. Well, just having a quick look, you are spot on. Well, nearly spot on. Evan <laughs> McPherson's field goal percentage during the regular season. 84.8%. And you said 85%. That's pretty close. Yeah. Rounds I'll, up to 85, doesn't it? I'll, I'll, I'll give you that one. Last I'll time give you that one. During the postseason, though, during the playoffs, 100%. Has not missed, yeah. Doesn't miss. Like you said, he's just just ice cold. And, and yeah, I mean, look, so from my perspective, it's time for the Rams to do what they have been destined to do all season. I've been on, on the Rams all year. So, like, I... I at this point, they feel a little bit like my second team, so I'm not going to jump off them now. Um, some stats just quickly on the two teams. <clears throat> Let's get started. In touchdowns, the Rams are ranked nine with 52, the Cincinnati Bengals seventh with 54. It's not something that I saw coming, actually, when I was doing a bit of this research, and I thought that was important to put first, that the Bengals have actually scored more touchdowns than the Rams over the course of this season. But the rest of these stats... All lean Rams, at least lean Rams. Points per game, Rams number six with 27.2. The Bengals eight at 26.6. Total offense per game, the Rams are seventh. The Bengals 14th. Offensive line DVOA, which is really important when we talk about offensive efficiency. The Rams are sixth. The Bengals 15th. DVOA offense total, the Rams ranked eight. The Bengals ranked 18. Points per game against the Rams 10th with 21 the Bengals 13th with 21.8. Not a huge difference there, but again, a lean to the Rams. Total offense against per game. The Rams 13th at 331.8 yards against per game. The Bengals ranked 20th, 353.9 yards against per game. DVOA defense, according to footballoutsiders.com. The Rams ranked number five. The Bengals ranked number 19. Defensive line DVOA. The Rams ranked six and the Bengals nine. Interceptions, total interceptions over the course of the year. The Rams are third with 19 total. The Bengals are 19th with 13 total. Sacks, the Rams are ranked 27th, which also surprised me with 31, while the Bengals ranked third with 55. That's a pretty amazing stat. Again, didn't see that one coming. But DVOA special teams, the Rams ranked fourth. The Bengals ranked eighth. 
And when it comes to DVOA overall, obviously it talks about overall franchise efficiency uh, in all facets of the game across the field. The Rams are ranked fifth in the league over the course of the season. The Bengals in the Super Bowl ranked just 17th in that total uh, overall DVOA metric, which is pretty amazing. Uh, Mate, you want to jump in there? Yeah, that was the one, wasn't it? That's incredible to think that they're essentially the 17th overall team in the in the comp and that made the Super Bowl. And and the other interesting point is that the only, the only other time that a team ranks in the top three of any of those stats you just mentioned were the interceptions with the Rams and the crazy one, the sacks for the Bengals. Yeah. That's incredible. 24 more sacks in the Rams all season. When you think of that defensive line for the Rams and the, and the defensive line for the Bengals, you say, well, that defensive line for the Bengals has actually reported 24 more sacks. That's that's more than one a week extra, and that's that's a big number, and, and that's going to go a long way to deciding the game. Well, if that defense can get after um, Matthew Stafford, because I probably would think that that offensive line for the Rams will a little bit banged up is probably the weak spot as well for them. So, yeah, huge, huge, um, huge stat that one. That that certainly surprised me as well, mate. But yeah, the key one, obviously, that the, the Bengals have just performed in the clutch and, and really outperformed their you know capabilities essentially to. Mm-hmm being the big dance. So, yeah, very interesting um, stats that you put forward there. But DVOA overall, will it, will it come into, um, you know, fruition top five team versus top 20 team? Yeah, well, I mean, look, we, we've spoken about it, I guess, a number of times over the, the course of the season and, and pretty much across the entire season, the Rams, I think, are the only team to have been top 10 in all three facets of the game for the entire season. Uh, they were top five in all three facets of the game for part of the season. Uh, I think the only team that could compare uh, in that regard was the Dallas Cowboys in the first half of the year, and they obviously dropped off a little bit in the second half of the year. But I, I guess the question is, what are, what is this data? What do these stats say about the game? And, and does it even matter if you've got the 17th ranked DVOA team in the Super Bowl? And like you said, that, you know, when when that play has been needed on offense or defense, the Bengals have been able to to, to come up when it matters, especially in the playoffs. Uh, obviously, they are able to come up with some humongous wins, humongous victories uh, for their season, for their franchise over the course of the season. But in the playoffs, it's really come down to moments for the Bengals, and and that's where I think that, that this game might differ. I mean, as dynamic as the Bengals' offense is, and it, it really is, it probably is the most dynamic offense. In the league, I mean, you look at at Kansas City. Obviously, that that they're up there. Uh, you look at Dallas when they're switched on; they're up there. But this Bengals offense is incredible, and they're so young and and energetic and, and athletic. Um, but they're going to find it almost as hard to score against as any team in the league with this Rams defense and and with that multitude of weapons in the Rams offense. You know, whether it's Stafford, Cup, uh, Acres is back, like you touched on before. Uh, Beckham, uh, Higby, Van Jefferson. I mean, there's so many. There's so many in that offense. Um, Cooper Cup, the Triple Crown winner. They're going to be. The Bengals are going to have to be incredibly efficient on defense, which they haven't been. Uh, they're the 18th ranked DVOA defense over the course of the season. They haven't been efficient on defense, so that's that's going to be really difficult for them to to overcome. I think. Um, and then you add that to. I guess the the emotional side of of the season and emotional logic says that the Bengals 
can't keep doing this. They can't do it again. Surely they've performed so far above expectation. Like you said, they've performed so far above expectation to get to this point, so far above what the data says, so far above where they should be. And yet here they are in the Super Bowl. Surely they can't do it again in this moment that they hadn't won a playoff game for 30 years. And they're in a super, they've won two or three. They're, they're in a Super Bowl. They beat the Raiders in that wild card game. You, you mentioned earlier that, you know, like so I, I will die on that hill, that the, the Raiders outplayed the Bengals all over the field for 95% of the game, except in the red zone when it mattered. Um, the Bengals beat the Titans in the divisional round by pure will. And that's it off the back of a defensive effort that we haven't seen from the Bengals in God knows how long, including you know, nine sacks, three interceptions off, off Tannehill, um, and then Evan McPherson, of, of course, like we've we've spoken about. Joe Burrow was only the second game all year where Joe Burrow uh, had a hand in zero touchdowns. It was his lowest passer rating in two months in that uh, divisional round over the Titans. They beat the generational offense Kansas City Chiefs in the championship game from an 11-point halftime deficit on another walk-off field goal from Evan McPherson. I mean, this, this Bengals team shouldn't be here. They have no right to be here. Uh, they're not in the same conversation as these Rams, as probably as the Chiefs, as probably as the Titans, and yet here they are. Um, statistically, as we've seen, there's a huge difference between these two franchises on both sides of the ball, on all sides of the ball, including special teams. And this is mirrored in red zone efficiency with the Rams ranked 11th in red zone offense compared to the Bengals, 28th in red zone defense. The big difference here is in, in the passing game, obviously, where the Rams rank ninth on offense. So obviously, you know, keep an eye out for Cooper Cup props. If you get some value there, uh, he's the number one guy in the league. So it might be tough to find some value there. But have a look at Tyler Higby. Have a look at Van Jefferson, who have also proved reliable targets for, for Matt Stafford in the end zone. They've got five and six touchdowns respectively over the course of the season. That's nothing to be sneezed at in a, in a 17 game season. You've got 11, 11 touchdowns, you know, between some of those secondary uh, targets in, in the end zone. For what it's worth in that argument, Tyler Higby gets more targets, more receptions, but shorter yardage on average. So I do like him in those closer to goal uh, elements uh, over the course of the playoff series as well. Tyler Higby also averages nearly one and a half more receptions per game and 12 more yards than Van Jefferson. So I, I give him the edge here in some of those uh, touchdown props. But another difference, albeit on the other uh, the other side of the ball, uh, and potentially the one weakness that the Bengals can possibly exploit if they've got the opportunity and they need to take advantage if they can, is the Rams' red zone rush defense. The Rams own the number one red zone pass defense in the league, which doesn't bode well for the likes of Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase and, and that offense, which is so dynamic through the air. But the Rams own just the 19th ranked red zone rush defense. So maybe someone like Joe Mixon uh, in the Bengals' eighth ranked red zone rush offense can take advantage of, of the Rams' defense in that situation if they can get there. And that's the big question is, can the Bengals get to that part of the field often enough to take advantage, to make a difference? But overarching, the, the, the main thing is that the Cincinnati Bengals should not be here. And yet here we are again. We're here. They are here. They can't do it again, can they? Rams minus four for me. But I do like where you're coming from in the unders. And uh, yeah, I don't mind it. But they can't do it again, can they? <laughs> 
that's the thing. I, I, I think they're just on a heater where they just, they, everything's, I don't know, it's just fallen into place and it's a, one of those fairy tale, meant to be, fate, whatever you want to call it. It's one of those kind of runs. And I compared it to our, for an Australian audience to the Bulldogs, the Western Bulldogs of 2016 in the NFL. And we've seen, we've seen it happen in the American, American sports as well. And I mean, Tampa Bay a little bit last year as well, where mm. similar, to, not probably to the extent, obviously, the Bengals. I mean, the, the Tampa they had top rated grade seven to do it, <laughs> but um, they were their number six or something seed. But it, yeah, the Bengals they they are yeah, it is an incredible story. I think they were hundred to one, and I think when you even mentioned during the radio um, during the week they were two hundred to one after week week two when they lost to the Bears. So uh, incredible if you snapped up. Snapped up some of those early dogs, but uh, yeah, I, I think it's going to be a tight game, and, and let's hope it is uh, for some drama. Uh, it's been an incredible playoffs all season, so let's hope it continues, and we don't have the blowout in the big, in the big one. If uh, if any of our listeners have a bet slip with the Bengals yeah. to win the Super Bowl at two hundred and one dollars, please let us know because <laughs> I want you to buy us a beer. Um, no, but we'll we'll buy you a beer if if yeah. you have a bet slip that has the Bengals winning the Super Bowl at two hundred plus, even one hundred plus. Give us a shout, and we'll Mate, buy even you a beer. Fifty plus is not bad. We'll, we'll buy you a beer if you've got that if you've got that bet slip. Uh, so let us know uh, just quickly on some of those uh, touchdown scores. I touched on Tyler Higby, Van Jefferson, and Joe Mixon. Uh, Tyler Higby three dollars seventy five anytime touchdown, fifteen dollars to be the first touchdown scorer. Van Jefferson, $4 anytime touchdown, 18 to be the first. And Joe Mixon, obviously a key part of that Bengals offense, $2 anytime touchdown, eight fifty to be the first touchdown scorer. There are some cool betting markets in the Super Bowl, though. Obviously, you've got your standard football, standard football bets, which we'll go through in a minute. Uh, but there are some cool uh, oh, novelty bets, I guess. The novelty bets are the best. The best I, th- I think they're the best, too. Uh, we, we're going to have some fun with this bit, I reckon. Um, do you want to start with the football bets or the fun bets? Well, I can give you the greatest lock in the history of Super Bowl. Go on. And that is the national anthem this year will be going under. 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 And if you can get 99 seconds, which one of our listeners told us on Twitter that Ladbrokes had a minute 39, which would be uh, 99 seconds, uh, Brad at Bidey26, thanks for letting us know. He, he's an over guy usually, but he, he's keen on the unders as well. And at minute 39 at Ladbrokes, it's a massive value considering most books have it around 95 seconds. But we know, uh, we, we know sports better, but we've got a minute 35, which is 95 seconds. However, Nikki Guyton, the, uh, the country singer, she's very, very fast at singing <laughs> the national anthem. And oh, there's been a lot of research into this. This week, Nick, it's probably what I've spent most of my time on, to be honest. Yep. She belts it out quick and usually around nine seconds. So you, you think, give her a couple of seconds leeway for yep. the Super Bowl, the theatre, the extra occasion, and it usually is an over and off. I'm very big on the over and it's usually that. Yep. From good sources and a lot of research, the lock is this week, or this year, I should say, the under in the national anthem. Yeah, well, look, I, I'm not... <laughs> I, I agree with you for what it's worth. And, and like you, I've done a lot of research and I'll, I'll go into that in a minute. I'm, I'm hesitant to call it a lock just because of the way that this, this market works. And it's so unknown. As much as we know, it's so unknown. But what, what I will say is 
remember to check with your bookmaker. doesn't matter if it's Sportsbet or Ladbrokes or Tab or whoever it is, uh, wherever you're listening, to check with your book when they count the end of the song because some bookmakers count at the end of the final note, when the singer stops singing completely. Some count it at the first syllable of the last word, which is brave, uh, and that's when the clock stops. So check with your bookmaker before you place bets on this market. But the thing is here that the this market has trended over. Over the last 20 yeah, years, massive. this market has gone over nearly every year. The average length of the anthem between 91 and 2020 was just over a minute 56. That's 116 seconds. The line that you get on most books here is 95 seconds, like you said. Last year's duet, Eric Church and Jasmine Sullivan, was even more than that. Two minutes, 17. That's 137 seconds, which is the third longest version of this song in the last 15 years. The longest since- coffee halfway through last it, it was ridiculous. It did feel very, very slow. And to be fair, I was on the under on that as well because I'd seen, mm. the, I'd seen uh, Jasmine Ouch. Sullivan do one- uh, a couple of years prior at a, at a much smaller event, obviously. I mean, every event's much smaller than the Super Bowl, but uh, at a real small event and she had gone under and it was a, it was a higher line as well. I think it was like a yeah. minute 20 or something, uh, but they went way over, obviously. Um, the longest rendition of the anthem since 1991 came at Super Bowl 47. It was Alicia Keys at two minutes 35. The shortest Super Bowl 32, 1998, which was Jewel. It's a name that we probably haven't heard for a while. Uh, one of the first, I guess, country singers, country female singers to go mainstream uh, in the States at a minute 27. Uh, in recent years, the anthem has trended even longer, as I said, with seven of the last nine taking over two minutes and the other two going at least a minute 49. But like you mentioned, Mickey Guyton, uh, she is known for uh, clocking through it real quick. She did it last year, 2021, at the National Memorial Day concert uh, at just 76 seconds. There's also a video of her singing it a number of years ago in 2015 at, a, at a, some sort of country music seminar or something um, in which they, they missed the first line of the anthem. Uh, it starts the second line when she sings Dawn's Early Light, but it lasts 81 seconds from that point. Um, now, obviously, it probably is not going to take her 14 seconds to 
sing those first six or seven short words. Um, so you would imagine that that's still even missing the first couple of words. It's still under that 95 second line. So the question is, do you go the historical trend and go the overs or do you go with Mickey Guyton's history and go unders? And, and you're obviously unders. You've called it your lock of the week. I'm hesitant to call it the lock, but I agree with you. I'm, I'm going unders this week as well, but I think that there might be a couple that will side with history and go overs. No, I'm, I'm very confident on this one. And, and I love that it's over and done with before the game starts because we can always keep the momentum rolling or we can recoup. <laughs> but no, I, I think it's a lot from, from the people I've spoken to as well that love these knockaby markets, um, some over there in the States as well. So I'm, I'm thinking it's unders, but yep. you've made some good points. It has very, very much printed over and a long way over in the last few years. So uh, unders this year, mate, I'm, I'm pretty confident. Yep. Yeah, I, I agree. I'm, I'm unders as well. Um, sticking in the, the music trend, obviously the yes. halftime show we've got, uh, we got it's, it's a pretty amazing lineup. We have Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg, Eminem, Kendrick Lamar, and Mary J. Blige. The market for the opening song of the set, uh, there are some bangers in this market. There are some absolute bangers. But yeah. I did, again, I did some research on this one, and I'm going to go first on this one because I love this little, this little thing. But Dre and Snoop have toured together a number of times and, and notably they were at Coachella in 2012 and then the Up in Smoke tour, which you can buy at all good DVD stores. Do DVD, DVD stores still exist? I don't even know. But um, that was in Sanity. 2000. <laughs> Sanity, yeah. Oh, memories. Brashes? Brashes. I was going to say brashes was in my mind as well. <laughs> um, but on both of these tours, uh, that Dre and Snoop have toured together. Both times they open their show with. <laughs> Next episode, which is a great track. Um, I also do like California Love. California at $5, it would be a great way to pump up that LA crowd at SoFi Stadium. And still, DRE is a banger. That is favorite at $4. California Love, $5. Next episode at $6. Um, there are so many good songs in this market and I'm sure you've got some, some other ones as well, but gun to head, I'm going with the tried and tested set list. And from experience, I mean, I've done shows and small tours, obviously not at the same level as Dre and Snoop, but musicians like their schedule. They like to stick with what's comfortable. Um, you know, you keep your run sheet, you start the show the same, you continue through the set list and, and you do the same things, uh, because you get in a routine and, and you get in, in a pattern. And that helps. It helps with your playing. It helps with your performing. It helps with your entertaining. Uh, and this is how, you know, if they did it more often, this is how they would normally open a set. So that's what I'm going with. The next episode at $6, what have you got in the uh, halftime show? Opening? Mate, it is, it, is this, it is an unbelievable set list since they can get through all these songs. Because if you scroll down the markets and you see all these names of these songs, you go, any one of these could be the first because they're all absolute certified bangers, as you said, mate. 
unreal set. And and this is I picked California Love before I saw the prices. Um, just obviously being the location, being um, while it's a two part song, really it it, it it's still it's the, the place for it, I suppose. In, in terms, yeah, of, yeah. Um, to open with that, and because of the how the song opens as well, uh, it would be an unbelievable way to start the show. And, um, was happy to see. I was actually surprised to see the second favorite. I thought it would be favorite. So five bucks is pretty decent value. Scroll down though, and I, I do mind. I don't mind. The more I think about it, one at double figures. And I'm not. I'm, I, I do love their music, and I'm not a self-confessed hip hop um, know-it-all or um, by any means, and, and know the history too much. But it seems like obviously Dr. Gray's had some. Well, you know, he hasn't been in the wilderness or anything, but he, he's been off the scene for a little bit, I suppose. And again, correct me if I'm wrong, I'm, I'm not too sure, but what about Dre? $10. And again, the way that song opens, that'd be a pretty cool way to start the show. And, and again, we, we're we just speculating here because we don't know who one of those five great artists could, any of them could start. So if you knew who was going to be the first singer or the first artist to come up here, that would certainly help and make the selection a lot easier to, I think forgot about Dre's work a little bit about ten bucks as well, but yeah, any of those songs could, could easily win and, and be the first song out in, in what promises been incredible, incredible halftime show. So one not to miss. Yeah, we, he hasn't been off the scene. He's just been in the lab with a pen and a pad. I think that's the line from Forgot About Dre. Yeah, look, uh, look the, the show is going to be amazing. And, and the last couple of years, I think there's been some maybe more forgettable than than others, but um, I think this one's a, this one's a must-watch. And, and I think in that list, you, know, you probably forget about Kendrick Lamar and, and Mary J. Blige, who are Grammy Award yeah. winners in their own right. Like, they're incredible artists, incredible performers. And obviously, Dre, Snoop, Eminem are, are the... the big ticket, you know, the top of the bill, um, global performers, but Kendrick Lamar and Mary J. Blige are elite uh, in terms of their own talent as well. So, you know, even if you're not, even if you're not a hip hop fan, um, I would still recommend watching it to see, you know, these are, these are legends of the industry and, and, you know, you might never get a chance to see, you know, these artists together on one stage. So uh, I reckon it's worth watching, uh, so get around it. In terms of other novelty props, there's the, the the tried and tested Gatorade shower at the end of the Super Bowl, and and you know some people want to go with the, uh, the the Super Bowl winning team, and and you know maybe there's some correlation between the Gatorade color and the franchise color. What I can tell you is that since 2001, the Gatorade color has only matched the color scheme of the winning franchise three times three times in 20 years. So for value sake for me, because, you know, I'm going Rams, let's take blue, which is the Rams color and, and the second favorite at $4.25 out of the equation. We'll look a little lower down the odds board. Uh, it hasn't been done for 10 years since Super Bowl 46 when the Giants poured purple over Tom Coughlin. It's only been done twice since 2000, but we are in LA like we've touched on. The home of the LA Lakers, the home of the favorite son, Kobe Bryant, and we're only a couple of weeks out since the second anniversary of Kobe's death. And I don't think there'd be any better way for the Rams to honor Kobe, who, despite being a lifelong Philadelphia Eagle fan, uh, I'm sure the uh, the LA fans, the LA franchises 
all the sporting teams in Los Angeles love to uh, to pay tribute to Kobe, as they should. And there's no better way than with a purple victory shower. So I'm going purple at $11. I think there's a bit of, bit of value there. But, uh, what have you got the Gatorade? Well, I really like that reasoning. It's a great, great call. And, um, yeah, I, hard to argue with that. I might even go skip to that. Uh, I, I had <laughs> yellow. Literally just no logic. Just, it's a story. Yeah, no, I love it. It's a story. It's probably um, a flavor that goes down well in LA. I, I'm certainly, <laughs> most of my favorite flavor is a great, great Gatorade. Um, I've gone the yellow, green, lime. Uh, mm-hmm. You get the option there. Any of those varieties of colors, whatever one you want to call it. And spin yep. it. Um, probably the most common, other than orange, maybe. Probably. Well, but, yeah. yellow and green, while they're not, in the Rams color scheme, both yellow and green are in the state flag of California or of the Los Angeles city. So there you go. Yes. No, not the California. It's white and red or something. Green, I think. But it yeah, must be LA. LA, LA yeah. Oh, well, we, LA, the Rams have got yellow in their uniform as well. So well, this kind and, of, yeah. I mean, kind of. They're blue and yeah. Yeah, they're blue. <laughs> blue and white. But anyway, the, yeah, I, I've gone yellow, yellow slash green slash lime. That's four sixty five. That's not too bad for me. I think that's the second or third favorite in that market. Yep. Um, yeah, I'll be counting the cash after the anthem goes under anyway, so I won't have to worry too much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that's the thing. Like you said, you can either you can be either on a good thing before the game even starts, or you're playing catch up. If you're well, on that's the, it. On you want to take a coin toss as well? I'll I'll go tails. <laughs> coin toss. I haven't, mm. haven't actually, I haven't done the research into this market. I'm going to go just be, just because you've gone tails. Let's go, head go to heads. heads. Yep. Yeah. Head not? to tails, really. <laughs> You're going tails, I'm going heads. All right. Yeah. That's in. Sounds good. Uh, I guess we should probably touch on some football bets. Yeah, let's talk about some uh, football props now. Well, uh, yeah. Okay. Well, clearly, I'm on the Rams to win. Uh, as I've mentioned, I'm on the Rams spread minus four. Uh, I agree with you in the under. I'm on the unders, 48 and a half. MVP is an interesting one. Uh, I love Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald in, was my preseason Super Bowl MVP, should the LA Rams be in it, which they are. Uh, you can get him at $14 now. We spoke to Quinny from Tab a couple of weeks ago. He was $101. Uh, the following day, he was down to $41. He's now into $14. Uh, just goes to show the power of the market and the power of well, how this much, podcast. How much did you have on me to move that? Clearly too much. Yeah. Clearly too much. <laughs> or not enough. I don't know. Um, but the other one that I like, uh, which you can still get, where have I got it? I've got it up here on my second screen, was another one that we touched on, Von Miller, who you can get at $34. Uh, a little bit of a saver. He's obviously done it before. Uh, and I think, obviously, if, if uh, the Bengals target Aaron Donald and, and target their blockers to Aaron Donald, then there's room for someone else. And that someone else could very well be Von Miller. Um, so that's, that's an interesting one. I, I don't mind both of those. Uh, first touchdown is always an interesting market and, and really hard one to pick in a standalone game. Uh, I've gone the obvious choice. Cooper cup at $6. Uh, he's the number one guy for a reason in that offense. Um, what else have we got? You want, to, you want to stick with yours and then uh, we can get to some of the props? Yeah, awesome. I, I'm also with the Rams to win. I think they'll get the job done, just be a little bit too classy. Again, as I mentioned, I, I'm sitting on the fence with the, the line at the moment, but if I had to um, had to lean one way or the other, I'd have to take Cincy plus four, but mm. obviously would prefer that half an extra point there to go four and a half. But really happy to still take Cincy plus four, but yeah, it's really knife edge there for me. So 
sitting on the fence a little bit. I'm definitely keen on the unders, though, in this one. So under 48 and a half for me. Uh, and gone pretty pretty boring with my MVP, Matthew Stafford. I think if the Rams win it, it's pretty hard-pressed not to get a quarterback up. And if the Rams do win, I think Stafford throws at least two touchdowns uh, and at least 250 yards, which will probably get the job done. For the quarterback, so he's at 220, so more W money there. And first touchdown, I think Cam Akers is due for a big game. And they've certainly really given him a lot of confidence since he's come back. He did have those crucial fumbles against Tampa Bay, but he was he was again the lead back last week or last match against the Niners and, and he kind of reprieved and, and uh, showed why he is lead back and he's a very special talent. I was um Pretty shattered to see him go down in pre-season with that Achilles because, um, yeah, the way he finished last year, his rookie season was, was pretty special. He, he looked like a really, um, yeah, a really explosive talent and, and one I want to keep watching and, and following for years to come. And so I'm keen on Cam Akers, a big game in this one, um, which I'll touch on in my player props as well. But, yeah, he was the first touchdown at 750 for me. Cam Akers is a really interesting one because we, we spoke about him must have been a month ago when he was first, mm. maybe, maybe, first little, maybe five yeah. or six weeks ago. When, when he, he was, was late to come back. Yeah. yeah, he was reactivated off the uh, off the IR. Um, and it, it surprised me that, that they've kind of given him that lead role so quickly. Mm, and it shows, shows how highly they rate him because Sony Michelle was in some vein. He was balling, wasn't he? Yeah, because um, Henderson went down and Michelle was yeah. really picking up the slack and, and having some massive games. But yeah, like, like yourself, man, I was... I was be surprised to see Akers be given such a large role and, mm. you know, when he's coming back from such a serious injury. But like you said, it's probably the, the confidence and the, uh, the faith they do have in, in his um, his skill set. And normally you like to have that, you know, that that history or that schedule, you know, the the, the wealth of, of data over the course of the season. And that's obviously something that we don't have with Cam Akers over the course of this season. But, you know, in this case, it, it may actually help him in that you know he's fresher he hasn't he hasn't had that long 22 game season he's, he's really had rehab and getting himself fit and healthy and then you know kind of four games um to kind of get back up to match fitness and and now he should be kind of peak fitness really you'd, you'd imagine after a month or, or five weeks of you know training with with the first team and and the, the first team squad um instead of the practice squad and and the injury reserve um and obviously, they wouldn't have brought him back if he wasn't, you know, in, in terms of peak natural fitness, they wouldn't have brought him back. But clearly, he's, he's rehabbed. And, and you're right, he's an incredible talent. Um, and so whether or not they can get the most out of him, you know, in this in this one game, I don't think we've seen the best of Cam Akers by any, by any means yet uh, in his career so far. But I think that he's he's kind of on the verge of being something special. I think the Rams feel like that and you know there is the there is a real big opportunity for him to be you know this to be his breakout game I guess for for Cam Akers and um there is that argument that he could you know also in that MVP conversation as well that he could be that that impact player uh, on the ground for the Rams yeah 100% I, I think he's, he's due for a big game and, and like you said with the amount of faith and confidence they have in him uh, to give, relieve a little bit of pressure from Matthew Stafford, especially early in the game. I think the Rams will run the ball early. You know, if they get it close to the goal line, I think they'll try and try their luck running it in first and let's hope that he can break through and can get over the line. Um, we can jump into it. Well, before we jump into um, um, our props, it, one of the, my long shots, I suppose, is a decent segue into it. I think um, 
a really good bet, and it's combining actually the first that touchdown score. Is you get on sports, but you can choose either Cooper Cup or Cam Akers as first touchdown, and you get three thirty-eight for that. So that's, I don't mind that at all. Yeah, that's really good value there. I think if if you think the Rams are going to score first, um, backing one of those two is, is pretty safe. So I think three thirty-eight really nice value for um, one of them to cross on first. Yeah, I mean they are kind of the the number one options. Obviously, Cooper yeah. Cup is the is the number one option on the Rams' offense. But Cam Akers, you know, if if, if they've got a you know, first and goal or or whatever, um, you know, and they're on the goal line, then you'd expect them to give it to the running back, and, and he's their guy on the ground now. Um, I, I can't imagine that they give that to Sony Michelle, at least not first up. I mean, maybe if if Akers has a couple of cracks at it early and, yeah. and doesn't quite get there, then maybe they maybe they give that short yardage, you know, kind of third down, fourth down, short yardage to, to someone like Sony Michelle. But um, yeah, Stafford's always a bit of a threat at, at the one yard line as well uh, yeah. or inches. So yeah, it's an interesting one, but I, I don't mind that, that value that, that could be a little bit overs for the combination of uh, cup and Akers for first touchdown. Uh, if you do like the Rams to score first and, and to win the game, obviously uh, what else have we got in, in the long shots? Yeah. Uh, as I mentioned before, Bengals plus five and a half into under 49 and a half. That's 320. Um, and my other long shot is Jalen Ramsey to report an interception. That's $6. So, um, yeah, I think he can, he can kick one off there from Joe Burrow or a short throw or something like that, or he might even just beat someone in the air. But I, I like him to have a, have a big game. He's, he's one of those players, again, that are kind of primed for those big games and big moments, and, and he's got a chance to, to do that you know, in front of his home crowd. Um, so, yeah, I think Jalen Ramsey is a nice little bit. Two important interceptions, six bucks. Yeah, love that. Um, I've got a couple of, I guess, similar similar long shots. I've gone Tyler Higby anytime touchdown, $3.75, like I touched on before. He's, he's obviously been a, a decent uh, red zone target for Stafford over the course of the year uh, as well. Um, like you said, if if the Rams are going to win, then you probably expect uh, Matt Stafford to, to throw a couple of tutties. I've got uh, a little combo bet of Stafford, for three plus touchdowns and the Rams to win combo at $3.30. And then the other one, like I touched on right at the top, that I think if if any game has the ability, you know, purely based on stats to be a blowout uh, in, in a Super Bowl, it's potentially this one. Uh, and if you think that the Bengals couldn't possibly do it again um, and, you know, it's not going to come down to Evan McPherson with time running out or in overtime, if you think that the data is correct and the Rams are that much better than the Bengals, then Rams 14 plus to win by two touchdowns or more at $3.46 is probably, I mean, it's probably around the mark in terms of the value. Um, but you know, if you like the Rams to, uh, to blow it out, then uh, I think that's probably the, the way to go. Um, some props. Now we are similar in some regards, and then we've gone, some very different uh, directions for very different reasoning. Um, I'll kick off. I've gone Cooper Cup over 105.5 receiving yards for obvious reasons. He's had an incredible season. He's the NFL's receiving leader, the Triple Crown winner, and this playoff series has gone to another level when it's mattered against Tampa Bay, nine receptions, 183 yards, and a touchdown. Against the Niners, 11 receptions, 142 yards, and two touchdowns. Obviously, he's Stafford's number one guy. He's the Rams' number one guy, of course, in a pass-happy offense. 105 and a half, 106 plus 
yards looks like happy days at this point. So I'm more than happy to play Cooper Cup. Uh, like I touched on before, Joe Mixon, anytime touchdown at $2. I think that red zone rush defense is really the only weakness that the, the Bengals can probably take advantage of in this particular matchup. So anywhere near the end zone, I think they give it to Joe Mixon and they have to. Um, Odell Beckham has had a really solid playoff series for the Rams, probably maybe not quite out of the blue, but unexpectedly given the other talent they've got in that receiving core, um, you kind of expected him to be the third or fourth option uh, on offense through the air, but he's kind of become the the, the number two option, at least uh, in, in longer yardage. And um, his receiving line is at 62 and a half. He's covered that a couple of times in the last month. So I'm happy to play Odell Beckham Jr. over 62 and a half. And the last one, uh, I guess a little bit out of left field, but T Higgins over 69 and a half. Obviously, Jamar Chase is, is the number one guy in uh, in the Bengals offense. Um, Jalen Ramsey will go to him for sure. Jalen Ramsey is ranked elite in 2021 by PFF at cornerback. He's ranked tied seventh for solo tackles, tied sixth for interceptions, which goes well to your, uh, your long shot at $6, uh, and tied eighth for receptions allowed. Uh, he hasn't had a week where he's allowed more than eight receptions, which was week three uh, with Chris Godwin, who had 11 targets and 75 yards, or more than 88 yards in a single game, which was week 18, Debo Samuel, and we know what his second half of the year was like. Uh, and that week, Samuel had six targets for three receptions and 88 yards. Joe Burrow is going to have to be flexible in the pocket when he's throwing the ball, and he's going to have to share the ball around to that receiving core. T. Higgins is their number two guy in the air. Uh, he's going to likely benefit from uh, from Jamar Chase being tailed by Jalen Ramsey. He's gone 70 plus in eight out of 21 games over the course of the season, and he's gone over 60 in another three. Uh, so 69 and a half is around the mark, but again, I think that there's uh, a very good chance that he goes over that with uh, Jamar Chase being tailed by one of the best in the business. Um, what have you got in your props list? He's been awesome in the playoffs too. He's, he's slid mm. me a couple of times in the props. I haven't got him this week, but um, as I mentioned before, Cam Akers, I'm getting around this man um, this week. I think he can have a big game. In for rush over 64 and a half yards, so I'll take the overs in that. Again, I think he's going to be the lead back, get a bit of work, especially early. The Rams are notorious fast starters. They've like to... Um, They've won, five, uh, won the first quarter in five of the last six games at SoFi Stadium. So they're usually quick starters, and I think they'll get the run game off the field, um, build the confidence up there. So 64 and a half yards, take the over. Uh, there's also a market on sports that you can take um, in this one, the running backs. Uh, so Joe Mixon versus Cam Akers, and it's the race to 50 rushing yards. So I actually like um, – Makers to win that, so that's at a dollar eighty-seven. So he'll get the fifty rushing yards before Joe Nixon. Um, Cooper Cup. What more can we say about him? As you mentioned, he's clearly the best receiver in the game, or certainly has been this season. The triple crown winner. Him to get over one hundred five and a half yards. I'm on the over as well, mate. He's actually recorded over one hundred eighteen yards in four of the last five Rams games at SoFi Stadium. So he, he certainly performed well at the home stadium. So another big day for him. I also think the other big name player, the other one, number one wide receiver on the other end will have a big day, Jamar Chase. He'll get over 78 and a half yards, um, regardless of who's on him. Burrow is going to keep looking for him. He's his safety blanket, essentially, in terms of, um, and he, he needs to stick it up in the air. He'll, he'll look for Chase, and he's got so much trust in him. The chemistry is unbelievable. 
His season continues uh, in the Super Bowl. He's rookie season, record-breaking rookie season. will keep getting better. So I think he'll have at least seven, eight and a half yards. So that's over as well. And I also like Tyler Boyd. He's, he's essentially dropped down to that number three receiver for the team. Mm. But he, he gets a lot of catches in short yardage passes, uh, you know, those five, six, seven-yard gains. And I think he'll do the same again here. Him to only get over three and a half receptions. I think it's a bit low. I think around the double seven mark. So it's not quite even money, but over three and a half receptions, I think it's a nice one to add into the same game. I think he'll be catching at least four passes. Uh, his line's only about 39 and a half as well, so um, which is pretty low as well. But I just think he's really um, more known for those short yardage passes. Mm. So if he gets a few short passes, um, he might not reach his line of 40, but he, he, I reckon he'll certainly get four catches. So Tyler Boyd over three and a half receptions for me to round out my player props. I do have some extreme long shots if you want me to do them. Yeah, I won't get to that in a minute because I've noticed that in the in the the run <laughs> sheet that you've dropped those in at the bottom. So I, I do want to get into that, but I, I just wanted to talk about Tyler Boyd because yep. he's someone that that often gets forgotten in this Bengals offense. And I remember three years ago he was nearly the number one offense in that Bengals offense. Yeah, right he was, uh, you know, out of out of that draft, he was you know, a really highly rated rookie receiver. Um, well, he took over AJ Green, didn't he? Like he became the number one man. When when Green when Green started yeah. that downward slide, obviously before you know before his trade to to Arizona, but uh, Green was was getting injured more and more, and and uh, Tyler Boyd was you know, a year or two out of the draft. Uh, obviously, really solid rookie season wasn't spectacular by any means, but really highly rated internally in Cincinnati, um, and, and had become a really important part of that offense with um, with Big Red with with Andy Dalton. Um, and had a had a really good chemistry in in that relationship, but I think now that he's their number three, even fourth option on offense, he's more valuable now as that slot receiver, like you said, in those short yardage yeah. situations. Obviously, they've got they've got a couple of decent tight ends. I mean, they're not world beaters. CJ Zoom is pretty good, but you know he's not he's not in that top five, probably not even top ten tight end in, in the league. But um, you know, really valuable in in the role that that these guys play in, in Cincinnati. And, and I think Tyler Boyd is more valuable now in this offense than he's ever been, even when he was a bigger part of the offense you know, as the number one or number two guy for Andy Dalton. I think he's more valuable as the number three or number four guy for Joe Burrow in this Cincinnati offense. Would you agree? Yeah, hundred percent. And and he, for that reason, I, I think he'll just be that. He, he, he's done it all playoffs as well. He, he's yep. just been that, that extra set of hands, I suppose, for Joe Burrow to, to find in the slot and, and to get out of trouble and, and pick up those, you know, make it a second and three, second and two, you know, kind of situation. Mm. So, um, well, not many, yeah, Tyler, not many quarterbacks have that have that option. And yeah. Joe Burrow's got a number. You know, he's got Joe Mixon, who's got decent hands. He's got um, P Ryan, who's got pretty good hands catching out of the backfield. And then you've got Tyler Boyd and, and a couple of decent tight ends as well in the slot for that, those short yardage plays, which are, are really important. And, you know, just that ability to keep the, keep moving the chains. And then that provides you know, more ability for, for chase and, and Higgins to do the the spectacular stuff. Yeah. Well, Ben Jefferson was doing a little bit of that early for the Rams. He's, he's yeah. dropped up quite a lot since OBJ's arrival, I suppose. And um, I suppose Tyler, he has been getting more involved in the offense, as you mentioned, and even Lansing to an extent now. Is that second tight end, but yeah, Van Jefferson's output certainly dropped off, and uh, because the focus has been on the two star receivers, hasn't it? I mean, OBJ just covered some form that he had in New York, yeah. and, and of course, we've seen you know Cooper Cup's um, you know, historic season as well. But 
you know, imagine if Bobby Trees was on that receiving board yeah. as well. Still well, I mean, if, if Robert Woods is there, then OBJ is probably not there. Well, yeah, that's a very good point, you know, because they probably wouldn't have gone after that um, someone like an OBJ if Bobby Trees was still up doing his thing. And, and yeah, that's going to be a, a pretty sad watch if they do win it, that he wasn't involved in the actual match. But of course, he was still getting ringed. So, um, yeah, and I, I've seen some, you know, some Cooper Cup has been you know, giving him big shout-outs on, on social media recently. Like there's, there's obviously a pretty special connection between mm. um, himself and Robert Wood. So, yeah, let's hope, um, yeah, that all goes well. But, like, yeah, it, it, this, the Bengals are blessed in terms of the offensive weapons that they have and, and yeah. the, what's at Joe Burrow's disposal. So, yeah, I, I think he's, he was really going to be on track for that, you know, top 10 receiver in the game, Tyler Boyd, and now he's fallen behind some, some pretty special talents that have come out of um, the draft in recent years. So, yeah, look, he's still a, he's still obviously a great wide receiver. He might even find himself you know, in a different team in the next few years to try and mm. get to that number one, two option again. But for now, he's on that Bengals lineup, and I think he'll have a, an important part on uh, Sunday night in American time. Agreed. Now, you mentioned your extreme long shots. Now, I've <laughs> seen these at the bottom of, of our run sheet, and I've got to say, I love both of them, and I'm going to have a little play on both of them. So I want you to, I want you to run yeah, us I through. Wanna... I want you to run us through these and and why, because even without reasoning or an explanation, I still love it. So the floor is yours. <laughs> You're going to have a shekel on for sure, I think. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. Well, when I was going through the MVP market, I was looking for some value other than Matthew Stafford. I've obviously decided on uh, Matty Stafford is my my Super Bowl MVP. I mean, Aaron Donald, I knew he was going to be yours, so I, I didn't want to steal your thunder either. But one that, that really spoke to me, I suppose, or, you know, stood out to me at a huge, huge price is Jalen Ramsey. So he's at $71. Now, as you said, if he's matched up in Jamar Chase, he's going to be targeted a lot. So he has a lot of chances to get an interception. He, he'll float in and do his thing and, and, and try and pick up Joe Burrow, especially if it gets to an extent where the Bengals are chasing tail late in the game. Um, you know, Ramsey might get another his second or third interception and potentially even um, and seal that that deal. Like especially Stafford as well as a quiet game. Um, so that gives him more of a chance for defensive player. Uh, I just think the, the opportunities are endless for Ramsey to, to get many interceptions. If he gets multiple, the score's pretty low and it's high, he'll certainly come into calculation. So $71, he's worth that minute. Shekel on, as I said, and, and more, you know, you can do a lot worse than 71 bucks. I mean, for sure. You, get, uh, you know, a fullback in an AFL grand final is even less than that, you know what I mean? So <laughs> that seems like way over to me. Well, you're almost going head to head there because you've gone Jamar Chase over 78 and a half. You've also gone Jalen. Yeah, I've also picked MVP. So can both. But he'll, he'll float. He won't stay on Chase all game, you would think. I think there'll be some different matchups, different looks given. Mm. So look. Jamar Chase might just have that one explosive play that, you know, ticks him up to, you know, 30, 40, 50 yards in one play and then yep. and it's pretty cruisy for the rest of the way. And as we saw, Jalen Ramsey can be exposed, the great, the, the GOAT, or Tom Brady, as we won't call him the GOAT, sorry, guy, um, Josh. Um, we, <laughs> he had his last ever touchdown thrown on Jalen Ramsey through that one. There you go. So I know Jalen Ramsey was pretty upset about that. So... <laughs> Look, he'll, I think he'll get in the record books one way or another. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. With he, no doubt, knowing, well, don't know him at all, but, you know, <laughs> knowing him from <laughs> watching on the outside looking in, he, he certainly wouldn't mind that. Uh, I think 71 seems over to me. And, and one I, I picked out, which seems 
again, just gigantic overs in a in a game in a oh, sorry, in a in a contest that could easily go under, which we both predicted, and one of the most, you know, popular or you know, common score lines, I suppose, in the NFL. I've got the Rams to win in correct score margin, 24, Bengals 21, and that's at 250 to one. Yeah, I love that. 24-21 is, I think, the second most common score in NFL history. I think the most common is uh, 2017 from memory. 24-21, oh, yeah. um, I think, is number two, is, is the second most common score in NFL history. So I, I really like that. And I think you're right. I think that, you know, that in terms of the game going under, obviously it, it, it ticks that off, off the board as well um, and still provides a really entertaining game potentially for the, for the punters, for fans. Uh, there's enough points there uh, for it to be a fun game to watch, uh, not like that that last Rams Super Bowl that we touched on at the top of the show. Yeah. Um, but, you know, th- there's plenty of points there in that in that total points line. And, uh, you know, 24-21 is, uh, is kind of perfect for that. If you're getting 250 to 1 and you collect you take it. I don't think you worry about anything else. <laughs> you take it. You, you have a dollar on it for sure. Yeah. yeah. Now, one thing would be, Adverse, oh, admissiveness not to mention is there's been some Simpsons predictions doing the rounds this week, and we know how good they are at predicting things. One of the episodes had a scoreline in it Bengals 34, Rams 31. Now, is that worth a nickel or a I mean, I'll well, tell you what, I'll find it's it. Worth it. It's, it's worth it for sure. Why, yeah. uh, why not? I mean, at a dollar, because that would be what, a thousand? A thousand to one? Yeah, I want to try and find the market. So let's see if we can find it while we're on. But, I mean, if you've got a reason to, if you've got an open bet and you've got you know, something like yeah, a Simpsons episode, why not? Why not have a dollar on it? Um, and see well, you, you can, can actually bet on um, the result being a Sporagami. Oh, yeah. Well, but that's only at 10 bucks, which seems magic money for me. But I know there's a lot of uh, our listeners out there that, that love a Sporagami, and, and I certainly want to be both love Getting around Scorigami, but um, <laughs> yeah, 10 bucks seemed to be interesting. So, was it 34 yeah. 31? 34 31 in favor, of, in favor of Bengals. That's actually $67. What? Oh, that's must amazing. No, nah, that's because that's because of that. Because of the Simpsons. People are betting on it because they've seen it. It must be because that seems insane. That seems that's insane. If 24 21 is 250. 34-31 should not be 67, especially if the line's 48 and a half. That's ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not taking that. no well, that's, that's no longer a value bet. Nah, that's not a that's, bet. That's You're taking huge unders. unders there. That's way, way unders. I'm not even going to touch that with a dollar. Nah, not worth <laughs> it. There you go. You've ruined it. <laughs> Simpsons fans, you've oh, ruined football. Yeah, Simpsons fans. Hit us up on, on Twitter or, or wherever with some... If you see some other cool markets or, or other cool bets or, or whatever that you want to play, um, let us know and we'll give you a retweet or a share or, or whatever. And let us know what you think of our plays as well. Um, it should be a cracking Super Bowl. I'm really looking forward to this one. Probably the Super Bowl that I've been looking forward to the most since, since the Eagles. Uh, so it should be a great game. I'm really looking forward to it. Um, any final thoughts on, on the game itself, mate? Now, like you, mate, I'm, I'm super pumped for it. And like you said, it's, it's probably one of the most exciting I can think of in recent memory. Yeah, I just can't wait for a, a cracking contest between two good teams. And like I said, I'm pretty content either way. 
whoever wins it. So just going in to enjoy the game and let's hope we can get a few props up and um, some money made for our listeners. It'll be a great story regardless of who gets up. Uh, it'd be a great story for me if the Rams get up. Just uh, finish the finish the season. <laughs> Mate, we won't hear the end of note. it, actually, if the Rams You'll never Maybe hear the end of it. Never hear the end. I'll be talking about this for years. Um, That's all right. <laughs> It'll be definitely your shout when we finally do have a beer together. So, it's, it's well, you've you've had a couple of uh, decent decent multis get up at the end of the regular season as well. So, no, I've already spent Might have to share shouts. <laughs> um, no, it, it has been a great season. Uh, obviously, looking forward to the pinnacle event of the season uh, Monday morning, ten thirty Australian Eastern. Sunday night, obviously in the states. Uh, any American listeners will know that. Like the back of the hand. Uh, as always, you can follow us on Twitter at Punt Return Pod. Uh, I'm at Nick Splitter. Lepo is at Ryan Lepore. We're on Facebook, the Punt Return Podcast, and on Instagram at NFL Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. As always, give us a yell wherever you are. Uh, let us know your best bets, your best plays. Tell us what you think of ours uh, while you're at it. And normally I'd finish this by saying we'll be back next week on the Punt Return Podcast. And I don't know if we will. We'll, we'll be back at some point over the uh, the off season. Whether we're back next week, we might be celebrating or commiserating too hard. Uh, football yeah, or betting? I'll, who knows? We'll check in, maybe um, do a post Super Bowl show. Or yeah, we'll do. We'll check in a couple of times. We'll do. We'll do something post Super Bowl, whether it's next week or or in a couple of weeks, and, and catch up. And then obviously we've got things like uh, free agency and and trades to touch yeah. on, and, and all that sort of off off field drama. Uh, and then uh, yeah, there's a whole range of stuff coming into, into next season. So we'll be around, but uh, get at us uh, on social media. Uh, we'll, we'll always be in touch. And uh, for now, go Rams. Go Rams. Go Rams.